in today's show, we're talking shooting guards with Matt Smith. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Yesterday we did a show. Yesterday, today, I never know. The show before this one, it was about point guards. We're putting them into tiers. If you want to hear our description of what we're talking about with tiers, go back to the start of that show and give it a watch. We're going to talk about shooting guards today. So a lot of the players that weren't on the point guards tiers show are going to be in this show. And when I say we, of course, I'm referring to the one and only Matt Smith. Matt, welcome back. Thank you, Josh. Good to have you back on. It's been so long since we spoke, about 30 seconds. You're here, ready to go. We're going to talk shooting guards. Um, again, most of the positional crossover is point guard shooting guard. So the guys that aren't here were on yesterday's show. There's a couple of guys who we aren't going to include on this. We're going to put into the small forwards. That's guys like uh, Gordon Haywood, um, guys like uh, Mikhail Bridges, who's listed as a shooting guard, slash small forward over on Yahoo. Uh, Desmond Bain, we're going to have in the small forward grouping as well. They're probably the major ones, Matt, I think. Oh, OJ yeah, and Obi, Buddy Heald, yep. Buddy Heald is probably the, the other one. With, yeah, him and Chris Duarte uh, can sort of transition between the two, but yeah, for the sake of the exercise, that's what we've done. Yep, so it's, it, you yeah, know, you have to make a, a cutoff with some of these guys. So we've got Lou Dort in the small forwards as well. We've got um, Caleb Martin in that group, just going through uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who I said as well. Herb Jones is going to be in the, in the small forward group along with Along with Buddy Heald and, and uh, Ananobi and DeMar DeRozan, of course, is exclusively a forward at this point in his career. So he is, he is listed that way on Yahoo now as well. So maybe I won't get into as many arguments with people who tell me that he's a guard. Um, all right, Matt, we're going to talk about these tiers. We've given the description already in the previous show. Let's look at tier one. And you will note in tier one, there's probably not a first-round guy. We're not including Doncic. We're not including Harden. They were point guards. There's probably not a, a first-round player here. No, there's definitely not a first-round player, and it's probably not even the top 15 player. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Devin Booker and it's Deontay Murray. And to me, they're both sort of back-end of the second-round guys. I know that sounds early for Devin Booker, and even I'm trying to sort of work out where I'm going to take Devin Booker if I do and if I get you know, that sort of maybe 16, 17, 18 range. But, you know, the points are elite. The free throw efficiency is there. Five or six assists from the shooting guard slot is really handy. So um, he feels kind of safe when we're talking about, you know, your Anthony Davis and your Kawhi and your Paul George and Kyrie Irving. So Devin Booker provides a little bit of safety, well, at least in my mind, at least. And then Deontay Murray, um, yeah, will take a drop in value from last season as he shares the ball with Trey Young and, you know, won't be able to just crush the boards like he did with Compeller and John Collins there as well. But I think he's probably still the back end of a second round and, and somewhere between maybe 18 and 24. Yeah, see, I'm not even sure I'd have these two together. I think Booker, to me, 
baseline is around 20. But mm-hmm. we talked yesterday or in the in the previous show about Chris Paul's age. If Paul misses, then Devin Booker is like a top 12, top 14 player because the five assists go to six and a half, the scoring jumps. And we saw it down the stretch last season with Chris Paul was out. Booker was putting up, I think, top 11 numbers in that situation. So I think there is a, a real upside there if Paul misses more time. If Paul suffers a, a, you know, multiple long-term injuries and misses 30 games, 40 games, then Booker is better than this. Murray would need a few other things to happen there. And you know, the, hit, the likelihood of Chris Paul getting injured at 37 versus Trey Young at 24 is a little bit higher for Chris Paul as well. I would have Murray probably pushed more down into um, tier two because I'd comfortably take Booker in the second round and I'm not sure I would with Murray. I know people are going to say, well, the things that Murray does well doesn't get impacted by Trey, but I don't think that's true really because... Again, he had one season of being this level of player, one season of averaging two steals per game. There's no guarantee it's going to happen again. The rebounds, as you mentioned, Collins and Capella, they're not um, Jakob Pertl and Doug McDermott. Like They are two much better rebounders than those guys. So he might have fewer opportunities there, fewer assists, and there's no guarantee the steals, which are the most volatile stat year on year, that they stick at that number either. So I'd be pretty... Uh, and his numbers have been all over the shop. He was pre-ranked 11, then 28th, and I think he's back to 15th. And at 15th, I want nothing to do with him. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, probably a back end of second second round. Um, but And I completely understand when we get to tier two, two guys who, particularly in some of the mock drafts and some of the videos that I've seen, um, there's one guy in particular who's sneaking into the top 20. Yeah, he is. And that's Anthony Edwards. Tier two, we've got him and Shea Gilles-Alexander. He's going around 20 to 24 in most drafts that I've seen. I reckon it's probably marginally too high and you're banking on some improvement, which could easily come. It might not. I'd feel better with him around the 27 to 30 mark. Um, I, I would, I, would I feel more confident with Edwards with an upward trajectory versus Murray with a downward trajectory? Probably. But yeah, you know, there is there is an element of risk of going a little bit too high on Edwards of people going inside the top twenty. I think there is, and I'm yeah again still trying to justify where I'm taking these guys. Like I do have some injury concerns and the shutdown con- concerns around Shay. And yes, Josh, I know he was the third ranked player in fantasy playoffs last year. Yes, thank you. Um, but you know, yeah, I just just have have concerns again. What's going to happen to the Thunder? come you know march and april and and edwards i think yeah he's he's really being hyped up and and like i said you know flying into the top 20 which yeah slightly too early for me but um and then if you want to you know go back to to point guard tiers and you know this is probably the range where you've got your fred van vliet and your and your cade cunningham as well like you know do you prefer cade over anthony edwards for instance i took him in a mock draft I don't know if I was ahead of Edwards, but I probably would. I just like those assists that Kate is bringing. Um, yeah, it is. It is a tough one. Like Edwards, like we could be sitting here next year and saying, "Well, Anthony Edwards, man, he was great. He was the tenth best player." And it's not. It wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Like if he averaged twenty-seven five and five, oh, yeah. who get like that is absolutely possible. I don't want to bank on it, but it is possible. The Shea one is interesting because you're right. He was the third-ranked player, Matt, in fantasy players. Thanks for bringing that up for me. But that doesn't eliminate all concern, right? My thing is that people go, I'm never drafting a Thunder player. Um, I'm just not touching, which I think is a ridiculous mindset to have. But you do have to couch some of that value. And now, the thing with Shea is that he actually struggled quite a bit with some of his shooting numbers last season. And so there's actually room for him to improve on a per-game basis from where he was. I think he shot 30% from three last year and had some real trouble there. And if that bumps back up at all, then... 
you know, he might be the 15th best player per gamer. That's you know, completely possible. But there is a risk of injury. But you've also got to start to think that at what point is Shea, which, who legitimately had injuries, the first the first year of that tank, he had an injury. He didn't play all summer. Didn't couldn't play for Canucks and injury. And this season, he had an injury. He came back. And then he missed the last couple of weeks with that injury, which I think was a little bit of bullshit as well. There's got to be a point also where I think that he's going to be, I'm not happy just playing 40 games a year. And I think that's, if they weren't legitimate injury, which again, the first one definitely was. And the second one he came back from, and then we sat down the last two weeks. I think there is a chance that he actually pushes through 65 games this year. And I think when we're talking about games played like, you know, going back maybe four, five, six years ago, like 75 games was probably that benchmark where we wanted our top guys to get to. I think now it's like 70. Yep. Like if they miss 10 to 12 games, I think that's a good result. If a player is missing or only playing like 60 to 65, and, you know, we're talking about Kawhi, Paul George, maybe Joel Embiid, like these guys, LeBron James, like to me, like that's, and maybe Shea, like you said, depending on where he sits in that range, like, that's the concern. Like the guys I draft in the top two rounds, I really want to get 70 plus games out of them this season. So it's, it's really difficult um, to find and, and to weigh up that per game value versus total value. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a really interesting sort of point in the draft. And yeah, if you've got a top five pick and you're taking, you know, Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, Luca, whoever it might be. And then in the back of the second, and you've got guys like Cade or, Anthony Edwards or Shea or maybe Deontay Murray, like it, that just looks like a really great spot of the draft to get, you know, a top five player and then back it up with with two of these guys to form a, a solid three. Yeah, I like the top of the draft. I like the back end of the draft. I just don't like the middle of the draft this year. That's sort of been my experience. So if I will get into tier three in a second, Matt, before we do that, I'm going to tell you guys about Bilt Bar. It's got a new flavor. And if you haven't tasted it, I don't know what you're doing because it is unbelievable. Cookie dough chunk. Delicious, chewy puff texture covered in 100% real chocolate with real cookie dough chunks. If you don't have the time to make cookie dough, whatever the hell that is, then you get these because they taste great. They're low in calories. They're low in fat. They're low in sugar, but they're high in protein. There's 15 grams of protein in a bar, 160 calories. Why don't you just snap Snag a box. Snag doesn't feel like it's an American word here. It feels like that's very Australian, but I'm reading that directly off this copy. You've got to snag a box for you and your family. It'd be the perfect treat. You can find a really good hiding place and will just hoard them for yourself. So head to built.com and get the cookie dough chunk puff. Get the other flavors. Get your built bars. Get your built puffs and get them 15% off by using the code LOCKEDON15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5. That saves you 15% off your order. Built bar is like Matt. Built. Different. Matt. Tier three shooting guards. Brad Beal, Donovan Mitchell. Bradley Beal was shithouse before he got injured last season. Donovan Mitchell moves to a new situation. Beal is sliding a little bit in drafts. He was going regularly at the top of the second round last season, but he really mm-hmm. struggled. He couldn't really do much. And I'm not sure how it's going to go. We haven't seen a single second with him playing next to Kristas Porzingis. I think he probably has a higher upside here than Mitchell, to be honest. Mitchell's had one season inside the top 40, and that was last year. Now he moves to a less favorable scenario. And the reason, really, he jumped up was a big increase in steals. Um, I would probably prioritize Beal over Mitchell, I think. Ooh, okay, interesting. And then on the flip side, like Beal struggled last year because of his dramatic drop-off in mm. field goal percentage and three-point efficiency and therefore points per game. So... I reckon Bradley Bills at a really nice discount this year. Like you said, he was going sort of in that 12 to 15 range and a lot of people got burnt. 
And then now we're getting him at what the third or fourth round. And people are like, oh, I drafted Bill last year. Like, I'm not going to draft him in the top 50 again. And then, you know, like, it wouldn't surprise me if Bradley Bill jumps back as a top 25 player, maybe. Yeah, yeah easily. And the same, like, does Donovan Mitchell have that in him? Probably not, particularly on a on a loaded Cavs team. So, um, but yeah, two really nice picks here in this third round. And um, yeah, Josh, you owe me about 14 boxes of Built Bar. So I look forward to the truck turning up one day. I got a delivery about 10 boxes here the other, oh, not the other day, it was about six months ago. But like, man, it was, it, it cost so much to get them shipped out here. I'll say, I'll get you some over there, Matt. Next time, uh, next time I'm in Adelaide, I'll, I'll drop you a Built Bar. Um, Sounds good. Yeah, so they're, they're interesting players. I, yeah, I think. The thing with them is they give decent assists from a shooting guard spot, and I think I'd give Beal the edge. I just think he gets more. Morris is not necessarily a high uh, assist sort of a player, high run the offense sort of a player. He's like, get the ball to someone and get out of the way, then let do, them do their thing, whereas Garland's a little bit different to that alongside Mitchell. Tier 4 is really intriguing. I, I did a mock today. Zach Levine fell a lot. I think people were panicked because on Yahoo, he's got the, the injury designation. INJ is next to his name, and people he fell outside the top 50, which was staggering to me. I know he had some arthroscopic surgery in the offseason, from what I understand, he's ready to go. He's, there's no problem. He's he's fine. He's going to do what he did. He was a bit down last season. The knee bothered him towards the end of the year. But I think he's absolutely rock solid here, whereas Rogier is, again, like being undervalued pretty considerably by probably one or two rounds. But based on rank and value last season, he was a top 50 player. There's no reason that he won't do that again. His value does get inflated by low turnovers, which you know I think really skews values of players. But still, he he's in this spot. He's there's no Miles Bridges we assume for the whole mm-hmm. season and he's their backup point guard as well as their starting shoot guard, shooting guard. There's a ton of value in Rogier. I really like him. Like when I started to sit down and go through the tiers and look at values and I'm looking at Terry Rozier and you know like going back a few years ago and you know I didn't want anything to do with him because he was um, just basically would kill your your field goal percentage. But yep. now you look at a guy who can get you you know pretty close to twenty five and five you know, close to three threes a game, over a steal per game. His free throw, uh, his field goal percentage is back into the mid 40s and we can get him in maybe the fourth or potentially fifth round. Like, yes, please. No Miles Bridges, like you said. Um, Lonzo Ball isn't the biggest scorer. Gordon Haywood can't stay healthy. So, yeah, Terry Rosie is like really juicy in this range. Um, And Zach Levine... Yes, he's not injured at the moment, but he hasn't played any more than 63 games over the past five seasons. So he's another guy who I'm sort of putting in that 60 to 65 game range. Um, So you're going to have to expect him to miss time throughout the season. Um, It's just how much, but on a per game value, like he was what, I think about the 15th ranked player last year in, in, um, in eight category leagues. So the per game value was great. Total value, not so good. I think uh, Levine might have been that two years ago. Last year he wasn't. He was like thirty. Oh no, what was it? No, thirty seventh last season. It was two years ago okay. that he was up, up that high before DeRozan arrived. He he did cop a bit of a bump. We thought he'd maintain the number one role. He didn't. DeRozan took that um, number one role. On tier five is a really interesting tier. This is probably in that fifty to sixty five range of a draft. We've got Jalen Brown, Jalen Green. Devin Vassell, I'm sure his middle name's Jalen as well. Um, Brown suffers a little bit from being a guy who scores, and then. I'm not sure what else. Like everything else is sort of okay. It's average, like average assists, average rebounds, average steals, average threes. Like everything is pretty average and then a below average free throw percentage. So while he appears to be a sexy name, we know how well he played in the NBA finals. His fantasy game's not as well-rounded as what you may anticipate when you see someone scoring 24 points per game. 
Green is a big step up from where he was last year, Matt, where he was outside the top 150 for the season. But, of course, he was top 60 over the last two months. And we expect that yeah, this happens with shooting guards. We see it all the time, is that they struggle. They figure it out the last two months to a degree, and then they take steps forward and maintain at a solid level in, in year two. And we saw it with Anthony Edwards, and I think we'll see a similar thing with Green. And then there's Vassell, who just gets the biggest opportunity bump with no DeJounte Murray. Him and Keldon Johnson are going to be taking a lot more shots. He was already top 100 after Derek White was traded last season, and this is about the area. But you probably don't need to grab Vassell here, Matt. No, you don't. I think you can get him hopefully in that maybe 60, 70-ish range, but he's got definitely got top 50 upside. Um, like you said with Jalen Brown, really good roto game, but takes a little bit of a bump in head-to-head legs because he just doesn't give you that big boost in any one category. Yes, the points are good, but like you said, even across the board. And and just be a little bit careful about Jalen Green as well because you know his um, strong threes bump him up where, again, mm-hmm. You can always get threes late, always get threes off the waiver wire. So, um, yeah, even across the board. So you're paying for, yeah, you know, 24 points and, and maybe three threes a game here. But, yeah, a really nice tier if you need some scoring and, um, yeah, some some steals as well from, from Devin Vassell. The wild thing about this group is that, like, yeah, I probably – yeah, I might even have Vassell ahead of these. I probably wouldn't. I'd probably take Jalen Brown because I know I can get Vassell later. But Vassell's ranked 146th on ESPN. Jalen Green's 150th at the moment, which is obvious insanity. But Vassell was 262nd on Yahoo a week ago. And now he's bumped back up to 95 where there's still value in that. So you just watch where you can grab him. You can probably get Vassell in round six or maybe round seven. I got him in a pick 90 in a draft I did today. So you can find him fall down a bit. Now, tier six is pretty empty. It's got one guy in it. It's Clay Thompson who... Took a lot of shots, Matt, when he came back last season. He wasn't particularly efficient, but his usage was sky high. It was higher than Steph Curry's. We expect that he plays more games this season, but I still think he's going to sit majority back-to-backs, and that's going to bump the value down. I just don't think I'm interested in him. I just don't know what what he does outside of hitting a lot of threes. The scoring is really nice. That That's true. But will he maintain this sky high usage that was higher than Steph Curry? Or was that just a focus to get him back into action last season? I, I'm not... I'm not certain about him in this area. I'm definitely not certain either. And potentially, oh, sorry, especially with, you know, the the season that Jordan Paul had um, last season and they can put him out um, on the court a heap more and maybe, you know, reduce Clay's minutes a little bit and games as well. So I'd be really shocked if Clay plays more than, you know, probably 60 games this season. So, yeah, right here, you're paying for elite threes when you don't need to. So um, I think you can use this spot of the draft a lot wiser. We're talking... You know, if we compare this to maybe like your point guards and and maybe, you know, something similar, we're talking like maybe your Josh Giddies or your Marcus Smarts, Jamal Murray, Murray, um, all that sort of range as well. Um, So you can probably focus on the assists and the point guards um, in this range and get those threes later on in the draft. There's a bunch of guys in Tier 7, and I reckon I'd take a few of them ahead of Clay Thompson, to be honest. We've got Jordan Poole, Tyrese Maxey, Tyler Hero, and Colin Sexton. I am a little worried with Poole, who... Played majority of the season without Clay. Clay came back, Steph went out, and he was able to take control there as well. But in the games that they all played together, he didn't really get much cracking. And there is going to be times that those guys are out. I'm just not sure when. I know that Tyrese Max is going to play 35 a night every night. I know that Colin Sexton's probably going to play 33 to 34 minutes most nights, and Hero's going to play 32 a night, where I think Paul might go 27 and 32 and 25 and be a little bit all over the place. Maxi, people are going to say he's pretty low here, Matt. Um, I'm just, 
part of the reason he was able to maintain good value last season when Harden came is he hit 46% from three. And assists and rebounds dropped and usage was like 18%, I think, in the minutes he shared with Harden. And I'm just not going to go into a season going, well, you know what? I expect him to shoot 46% from three, especially after shooting 30% as a rookie. That's unrealistic. Like he could drop 10 percentage points in three-pointers, still be really good, but... that drops nearly that drops probably thirty spots of value from losing all that volume because again we saw assists drop, we saw rebounds drop, we saw usage drop when he played with Harden, but he was able to keep value elevated by just hitting almost every three possible. And the thing with these guys, like I love one of my favorite things about the our basketball monster website is you can see whether a player is providing a positive in a category or a negative in a category. With the projections and Tyrese Maxey, his two positive categories are free throw percentage and threes, and then just slightly ahead in points. So, again, it kind of feels like we're paying a premium here for three-pointers. Um, Colin Sexton, I'm not as bullish about him as you are. I just I just feel that Utah might just ease him back in and, and give him rest and just be really careful with him and... And I just want to go back and touch on, you know, Jordan Paul and Clay Thompson. Would you, if they were both sitting there in, you know, say the 70 or 80 range, would you prioritize Paul over Clay? I guess it depends on what I'm looking on with my team because I know Paul's going to get more assists. He's going to get more point guard reps, which can be really valuable. But if my team doesn't require those or I don't need assists, then that extra four or five points a game that Clay scores becomes more valuable there. So I think in a lot of cases, I would take Paul ahead of him. But that's going to be pretty context dependent. Yeah, and and Tyler Hero, like you know, probably doesn't have the name value. Like, could be a, a cheaper option than someone like CJ McCollum. Good scoring, good rebounds, um, but yeah, you know, you just need to cover the lack of steals um, elsewhere. But yeah, not a not a bad tier here if you're looking for um, you know a shooting guard option. What do you think? A hero, if he does start, I think it actually hurts him because in the yep. past he has really struggled next to Jimmy Butler. Um, it wasn't as much of an issue last season, but in the past, it, it has been a concern that off the bench, great, starting, no good. Um, so I'm a little worried about how, how that would pan out. Um, tier 8, got two players, and they're diametrically opposed players. They're both shooting guard eligible, but they're very different guys. One of them is Anthony Simons, who had a stretch of like top 20 value, but was also really bad for lots of the season. Speaking of the year, he was one of the worst fantasy options that you had no business being on a 12 team league for the first three months of the year and then Lillard went down and then McCollum was out and then he put up huge numbers and then he got hurt himself um and there's Jalen Suggs that's in this group as well let's start with Simons he slides into the McCollum role he doesn't I don't think have quite the same value as McCollum did in that role he will have to be playing off ball the, the Blazers have traded a terrible defensive backcourt for another terrible defensive backcourt and again, the only time we've seen Simons have these big numbers is when it was literally clear out for Ant and let him do everything. And, and he's just not going to have that opportunity. Yeah. And they've brought in Jeremy Grant, who needs some mm-hmm. shots as well. So he's probably third in the pecking order or maybe equal uh, second. I reckon he'd be there. I don't want Jeremy Grant taking shots. And hopefully the Blazers go, we saw you did in Detroit. Thanks. Your team was dreadful. Can you do what you did in Denver and OKC where you actually were able to contribute to winning? Please don't take 20 shots a game. It, no, no. I, I hope that's what they do. And I hope Jeremy Grant doesn't come and go, I'm the man, I've, like <laughs> my, my guy. Like you contributed more to losing than almost anyone in the NBA. Um, so I think Simons will be the number two guy there. But yeah, you're right, okay. it, it is a concern. Um, but, you know, again, yeah, not a not a bad bad um, spot here for, 
for Simons. And then Jalen Suggs, I'm I'm really, really keen on Jalen Suggs Same. this season. We we didn't get to see the best of him in his rookie season last year. Uh, missed 20 games due the middle of the season due to a fractured thumb. And then when he came back, he was shooting like 36% from the field. Um, but he can get some assists. He can get some steals. He can hit a three. Like, well, I just we think hope he can a, hit a three. I think he hit 27% of them last year. Well, hopefully <laughs> that should improve, Josh, especially if he's got, a, so. got a, de- a decent thumb this year. Um, he also had ankle but, surgery too, so we hope that all that did. stuff's fixed, yeah. And then Ben Bancaro will help just take a little bit of load off there as well. But I just feel like Suggs can be a be a Marcus Smart type of yep. player. And yeah, if he's falling outside the top 100, then he is everywhere. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely keen on Jalen Suggs this season. Now, I, I look at him in drafts like around 10, round 10, round 11, steals, assists, rebounds, some threes, like... Yeah, I've got him projected at 14, 4, and 5. If he averaged 17, 5, and 5 with two threes, I wouldn't, much like saying I wouldn't be shocked if Anthony Edwards was top 10, like, I wouldn't be shocked if Suggs was able to do that. I think he's already a top level NBA defensive guard. Um, the shooting is horrible, right? And maybe it doesn't turn around. It was really bad. I think there's going to be a level of improvement, but does it improve to below average? Does it improve to bad? Does it improve to very good? That's the differentiating factor. But we, I, I'm really interested to see what he can do. So I, especially with Gary Harris out now to start the season, mm-hmm. there is a pretty solid role there for him. Next, we're looking at, Matt, a bunch of guys outside the top 100. You, you might argue that Simons and Suggs. Well, Suggs is definitely outside the top 100, but these guys are definitely outside. You've got a couple of second-year guys, Bones Highland, Chris Duarte. We've got Norman Powell, Gary Trent, and DeAnthony Melton. Much like when we talked about Jamal Murray yesterday, people are really high on Bones because they think that Murray's going to just sit millions of minutes and they think, well, Barton's gone and Morris is gone, so it's time for Bones. But as I will constantly preach caution, is that that is true that Morris and Barton have gone, but Caldwell Pope is here and Bruce Brown is here and Jamal Murray is back. So it's not just like everyone's cleared out for Bones. It's We moved on from guys, but we also brought some other guys in. So Bones will play more. I think it will, and will be better than last season, but there are a lot of people who are expecting 29 minutes a night and yes, 17, 4 and 5, and then I'm not quite sure we're ready for that yet. No, and, and I tend to agree. And, and then we move on to like Norman Powell and how's he going to get shots while, you yeah, know, Kawhi and Paul George are healthy him. and they're, they're just so deep. Gary Trent, mm-hmm. um, a great steals and threes option. He was 17th overall in threes made in four, in fourth in total steals. Yep. Like, wow, like incredible season. So he's a really good spot here. De'Anthony Melton's probably going to need an injury to Harden or Maxi um, to really see his value um, um, like max out and Duarte then yeah like I said we've got Buddy Hield and Matherin and and just a few guys there on the wing so um, that's a little bit of a messy situation but yeah I mean I'd, I'd be more than happy taking Gary Trent here and then you know yeah taking out that flower flyer on Bones Highland as well yeah I'd probably take Trent here depending on what I needed of course because he's going to absolutely torpedo if you're a goal percentage like if he doesn't shoot 40% don't be shocked he's probably 41 that sort of guy on a lot of volume um, do you think Duarte starts or do you think they go with Heald and Matherin? I think they probably do start him just to bring ease Matherin into it and bring him off the bench. But I mean, yeah, we're still hearing trade rumors about, about the paces and Miles Turner and Buddy Heald and whatever. So, I mean, things could completely change in the next five weeks, but it's going to be an interesting training camp to watch. 
that's that is one of those things we really need to pay attention to. We also need to pay attention to the bloke with the worst hair in the NBA. He's sitting here alone in tier 10. It is your mate, Matt, Dylan Brooks, the man who's never met a shot he doesn't want to take. Um, probably the most annoying and destructive player I've seen offensively on an NBA court in recent years. I know people will push back. Man, he's the heart and soul of our team. Yeah, that's cool, but he just takes the ball away from better players. Um, he will be out there, and in points leagues, he's a better player because, again, he's going to jack shots up. I, I worry about how Morant... Bain and Brooks all fit together because they played 150 minutes combined last season. So we didn't really get to see it. And when we did see it, Desmond Bain was just relegated to a spot-up guy. And that's obviously not ideal for a team. Brooks has an amazing advanced stats last season. So some of that is important to take context in. But for fantasy, he's always been a little bit limited because of just the horrendous, horrendous shot selection. Yeah. And yeah, the field goal was just a, a massive hit. And there'll be times when he gets on a bit of a scoring run and, and you know, he might average, you know, 20 points a game and across a couple of weeks and you think, yeah, this is really good. And then after that, he'll just hit a wall and he'll become more of a liability to your team. He definitely will be a liability in plenty of areas, but it's got to fit the right squad. And then lastly, Tier 11, Matt, Kevin Herter, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, Seth Curry. I think Herter and KCP are definite starters. I think I think Seth will start, but there is the Joe Harris situation there in Brooklyn. But uh, who would you say is the highest upside guy there? Um, to me, it's probably Kevin Herter because we I can agree. see him handle the ball a little bit more. He can get some steals. He can do a little bit of everything. Whereas to me, Seth's pretty much threes. KCMP is pretty much threes and some steals as well. But I wouldn't be drafting um, any of these three guys just in standard leagues, that is. Um, stream them through when you need some of the stats. And Kevin Herter, does he start or he's probably like sixth man No, I think he starts. I think it'll be Fox and Herter with Monk and Mitchell off the bench personally. Yeah. They traded yep. a few, uh, yeah, protected first round pick for him after they had signed... Monk and after they had Mitchell on the roster, they went out and said, oh, we actually want to get Herder on top of this. So that doesn't scream to me like we want him to come in and play 20 minutes. Like that, they deliberately went and got him after they'd done those other moves or after they'd gotten Monk in there. So I, I do, look, he won't be playing 35 minutes a night, but I do believe that he will be the starter. KCP will start and Seth probably will as well. But you're right, they're probably not guys to take in the last round just because you want to take some, some hits or some chances on some... Um, higher upside players. So in guys like that, like we haven't included Will Barton in this mix. We haven't included Jordan Clarkson in this mix. I don't really know where he's going to end up. Um, the guy I'm be interested to take a flyer on here is Benedict Matherin. Cause I, I don't know. Now, my gut would tell me that he'll be outside the top 250 for the first four months of the season as rookie shooting guys tend to be. Even if he's in there getting minutes and shots, I think he'd be actually quite bad for majority of the season, but he might not be. So I would take that upside on a player like him. I would even consider a Jaden Ivey, even though it's probably a 10% chance that he's better than Herder, KCP, and Curry. But that's what we want to do, Matt. In that last round, we want to say, well, can you can you top out at 120 or can you top out at 75? Yeah. And if it's only a 5% chance of topping out at 75, though, I'll take that 5% chance. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, maybe someone like um, Horton Tucker, you know, mm-hmm. would depending on what the Jazz do over the next five weeks, I still think that they'll, you know, move on Conley and Clarkson and Bogdanovich uh, before Christmas and then he really comes into play. So maybe you can, you know, draft him and sit on him for two or three weeks and see how it goes. And, yeah, just completely more upside than, than those guys um, who we spoke about in that last year. Another guy that I reckon has some merit for discussion here is Tim Hardaway Jr., just with the loss of Brunson, he might be able to be an 18-point-per-game scorer, which is really valuable. 
Um, that might give you three threes, 18 points. Wouldn't do anything more than a last-round pick, and he was pretty bad before the injury last season. But it's possible that he gets a larger role and he's able to put in some interesting numbers. The other one is Josh Primo as well. We talked in the point guard show about maybe he starts mm-hmm. over Trey Jones. So just take a fly, see what happens. Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly. These sort of guys that if it doesn't work out in the first couple of weeks, you get rid of them. You say, see you later and I'll grab someone else. But it's worth having that crack at the upside there. Matt, shooting guards is over. We'll be back to talk forwards at some point next week. So stay tuned for those. Matt, tell us, um, tell us where to find you. What, my home address or like uh, what do you mate, want? I need to send Bill Bars somewhere. So yeah, if Bill, if Bill Bars listen, they can uh, send them out to your home address. No, on, on the social media, Matt. On the social media. Um, at SMAN Sports on Twitter. Uh, you can find all my work at basketballmonster.com, articles, um, tiers are all there, overall ranking tiers are up, categorical scarcity will be up soon. So that's a, a fun one, which I love doing as well. Um, a few live chats coming up. We'll do them later on in the month and then early in October before the season starts as well. So, um, yeah, give us a follow on Twitter and we'll uh, talk forward soon. Yep. Go and uh, go and follow Matt. Go check out our stuff over on Basketball Monster. Thanks for coming on and chatting uh, guards with me over these last two shows, Matt. Anytime. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.